Welcome everyone to episode 13, lucky number 13 of the Mates Rates podcast. Welcome back to another week and hey, I didn't skip a week this time, so that is a win in my books. How are we all, how are we all doing, you know? Uh, well, I assume most of my audience is from Australia, but you know, weather is getting warmer. I'm currently sitting here on a beautiful, warm Saturday day, afternoon, I guess. It's midday, so yeah, I guess it's afternoon, but hey... This ain't the fucking weather report, this is a podcast. So, welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, things have been hectic on my end, as obviously previously mentioned mentioned on the last episode. I feel like saying that is kind of like starting off the episode like in The Walking Dead. They're like previously on The Walking Dead or pretty much any show like that. Don't know why I mentioned that, but hey, there we go. So, a lot's been going on. Um, so I've been working a lot as, as always, I guess it's been really hectic and I am on my 17th straight day of work, including weekends, which has been really uh, hectic. And yeah, I, I can't complain, you know, it's, it's great and I feel privileged to be able to work again, but boy, Oh my gosh, I'm looking forward to a day off, which will be tomorrow. So yeah, um, it's it definitely has reminded me of when I was touring. Uh, and like, so for people who don't understand the touring world, especially Warp Tour, Warp Tour, that was a uh, traveling festival, like a touring festival in America for 25 years, I think it was on for. Anyways, so... There was always a stint where you would do like two weeks straight of shows. And it was just fucking hell because it's summer. So like summer in America, it's just really hot. And people are going to, I feel like some people are going to think of this. Oh, work's complaining about touring. It's like, look, you have to complain about it because you, it's hot as fuck. Everything's uncomfortable everyone's miserable everyone's shitty at each other getting fuck all asleep it's as much as it is enjoyable it's equally just as shit so there you go that's like a insight of what touring is like so that currently doing this 17 straight day work thing it's kind of felt like that (laughs) kind of getting me back like you know those fucking ptsd feelings but you know i've been having like a it's weird because you're just working so much everything just becomes mechanical so every day like I've basically been at the studio every day just editing like I think we I think I've had like six different projects to edit um not including my own shit so add that up it's probably close to 10 and it's just been crazy like I'm at the point it got to a point where I was like this isn't even work anymore I'm just rocking up and just pressing the fucking like keys and it's just working because it's just what I've been doing for the last 10 years (laughs) and yeah it was just like this moment of everything's just a blur and you're having like an out-of-body experience because I feel like I'm watching myself doing this and there's part of me that's like what are you doing this is insane the other part of me is like yeah you know you're working so it's chill so (laughs) That resulted in me having a huge anxiety attack yesterday um, while I was working. And obviously not the pleasant. If you shout out to all my anxiety homies out there, (laughs) if you do suffer from anxiety and have anxiety attacks, you know how fucking 
uh, terrible they are. Like, people have different experiences. So I'm just going to level with you. My anxiety attacks, I have them. I'm aware it's happening. I do all the steps to make sure that, you know, I'm not going to fucking put my body into shock or whatever or make the attack worse. I'm like, yep, it's chill. It'll pass. But it's not chill because your body's freaking the fuck out. Then afterwards... Um, I, I just feel so exhausted and just like ruined and yeah, there's just like this shit period afterwards and, and then it's okay. Then it's like rinse and repeat, do that a few times a week. And that's what it's like having anxiety for me. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's, that's what happened yesterday. Cause it got to a point where I was working and I was just like, what, what the fuck is going on? Like, what am I doing? Like it just um because everything was just mechanical got to the point where i was like i don't think anything makes sense anymore what is life and then i just it was a wrap as soon as i started having those thoughts it was done for um so yeah i don't know that's (laughs) i had just had to like lay on the floor for a bit and just kind of catch my breath then uh then i was right again it hasn't helped that i've had to consume a lot of coffee this week just to stay focused so um maybe i should wean off that you know (laughs) when you have anxiety, right, um, if you go to a therapist or your doctor, anyone in like a medical field that has the right opinion on this shit, they'll tell you all different things. And um, obviously, yep, I I tell them I consume coffee and they say, have you tried cutting it back? And I was like, well, I used to have six coffees a day and I only have one. Uh, But yes, I I had three, which no wonder I had a fucking anxiety attack. (laughs) So... Yeah, I don't think I could ever like wean off coffee completely. That's that's the thing. Like, I just love coffee too much, and I think it's just like this weird self sabotage thing that I just do to myself. And I'm like, you know what? I'll have another coffee. Fuck it. Why not? I'll never pass that down. You know, it's like it's like when you're drunk at a pub and you know you're fuck eyed. You know that like it's done for. You know you you've just had too much to drink. But you don't want to, like, look like a wuss in front of your mates. So you're like, yeah, I'll have another shot. And then next thing you know, you're just spending the whole night on the toilet. (laughs) That actually happened at um, Pocket's wedding, like my mate Pocket, um, which was, like, just over a year ago. So Pocket or Eliza, if you're listening to this, happy anniversary, guys. That was a sick wedding night. But, yeah, that was one of those nights. Um, I was just like, it was an open bar. Oh, okay. I need to kick this. All right. So I need to preface this, right? I had like, I think I had like 600 bucks in my bank account and no flex, but flex, but you will see why I had like 600 bucks in my bank account. I landed, um, Jay, my, like my mate Jay was photographing the wedding. So, and we're on the same flight. So myself, Caitlin and Jay, we all like met up, um, like after the flight, obviously, and we're going to get a rental car and then go to the wedding rental car for the day 80 90 bucks whatever but we get there and they're like oh you need to pay a deposit and i was just like oh okay yeah that's fine like thinking it was it'd be like what like 200 bucks or some shit like that it was 500 dollars 500 dollars then adding on top of the rental fee it was 600 bucks i had no money in my bank account so i was like okay cool so i guess i'm not drinking tonight at the wedding so go to the wedding it's open bar but it's only beer and wine and i'm a gin drinker i don't drink beer um because that also fucks with my head <laughs> um but wine i was like yeah fuck it i'll just i'll just be on the champers on the bubbles all night and um 
yeah, so that's what happened. I was just hitting the free wines and it got to the point where I was like, I need to stop because I was getting fucked and I got fucked pretty early on. But um, all the guys there were just like, yeah, fuck it, let's just keep going. I was like, all right, cool. So um, I kept going and that, it was a wrap after that, you know. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can kind of fucking put the pieces together on that puzzle. So, yeah, I think that was the last time I got really drunk. The time before that was the first time I haven't worked New Year's in six years. I was like, I'm making up for this. Worst decision ever. So, I don't know. All that, all those experiences have kind of put me off drinking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's... I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, with the coffee thing and the anxiety thing. Yeah, just having... I, I'm like, I will never pass up having another coffee. Um especially if it's paid for, you know, in this economy at least. I need to buy a house eventually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, going back to um, Warp Tour, I think I'm kind of done with the anxiety talks. I, I, I do laugh about it because it's like, well, it's the only way I can fucking cope with it, really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, going back to Warp Tour, um, the first Warp Tour I was on in 2015... Um, yeah, yeah, it was the first one. Um, we were getting like lunch or dinner. So to break it down, yep, it's a traveling festival. And the way that it's placed is like not in city areas because it's a festival. So they have to have it like outer burbs. I think the only one where it has been close to the city was Philadelphia, uh, because it's just on the other side of the bridge and Seattle which was the first date of the 2017 WAP tour, which was sick because it was like right in the middle of downtown, which was like really cool or like right near downtown. I don't know. I don't know geographics. All I know is that there were buildings around us and all the other dates had nothing, especially Nashville. It was just like greenlands around us. But anyways, because it's so big, they have to be out of like the city areas. So you're just kind of stuck there unless you want to pay to, to get an Uber. But obviously I'm there working, so I can't just like willingly like pop out because it's like a half hour drive to downtown and back so yeah you're basically just stuck on this traveling circus for uh six weeks straight and on the first walk to uh uh one of the bands that we were hanging out with for like lunch or dinner because it's all catered as well because of that so you have breakfast lunch and dinner provided for you um so we we're getting lunch or dinner and one of the bands turned to us and said hey come to think of it walk tour is like traveling it is like a traveling prison i think about it you know you get up at um certain times in the morning well at least like the crew does they get up at certain times in the morning to set up and then like the manage the tour managers and stuff have to get up at a certain time to schedule the day because you don't find out what time you play until the day of like until like 10 a.m that day so they have to like madly scramble the whole day in terms of like signings and all that type of shit around that so it's like, yeah, basically what I'm trying to say is that you have a schedule and you have your breakfast, lunch and dinner taken care of and because you can't travel anywhere, you're just stuck there. You're just stuck inside this festival ground. So it's like, yeah, it's just like a traveling prison. So, yeah, I found that pretty um, funny <laughs> and very, very relevant to that time. So if you wonder what touring is like, that's, that's what it's like. Um, I remember the Amity tour that we did in the US into late 2016. So, um, yeah, that'd be like four, yeah, four years ago from now, um, four years ago behind, I don't know. 
they four years ago is what I'm trying to say. Um, that was hectic tour because Amity were doing festivals and then they booked a tour around the festival shows. So the routes were just like all over the place. We're going east, west, like north, south, like just all over the place. So if no real like I don't know how what word to describe it, but instead of doing like a circle, we just did like lots of squiggly lines. We basically had an anxiety attack just on a tour, I guess. So, you know, he's going all over the place. He had no fucking idea what's going on. So <laughs> um yeah, that reminded me of that because those shows as well there was like you know we would do like 10 days straight or something like that because that was also like a six-week uh tour so yeah um that's basically the fucking nearly 15 minute version of what i'm currently dealing with working this many days straight so thanks for joining uh, <laughs> um yeah in saying that uh obviously like my content has kind of been neglected uh to to a certain extent like I, I, i'm I've still got ideas and I'm still writing shit. I just needed to, I just needed to take some time to fucking get all this shit sorted so then I can get a proper schedule going and I can just kind of continue on balancing um, work and like my passion projects at the same time. So in saying that, I have been working on some sketch content. Um, today is Sunday 21st, so this episode comes out Wednesday. And by then, I should have another sketch out. I'm going to try and shoot that tomorrow if I can. If I'm filling up for it, we'll see. But yeah, I'm definitely keen to fucking get back into the rhythm of things. So I have plenty of ideas, just no time to fucking execute them. So, <laughs> um, you know, hashtag big things coming. But um, it's not really big things coming. I just have these ideas. I want to film in this uh, little room that I have and hopefully people watch them. You know, that's just... That's that's the end goal. Just hoping people show up. <laughs> so, um, anyways, moving on. Oh, just, do you know what's really annoying? I want. I had this whole thing I wanted to talk about about this thing, but um, I, I was just listening to the, the recent TMG podcast, and they literally just brought it up. But I don't want to talk about it anyways because they talk about it differently. But I didn't. I forgot to mention this. Um, obviously, the U.S. election is still somehow going on after weeks uh but the night that biden was announced winner Chappelle show uh Chappelle show Chappelle went on snl and did a monologue last time he did a monologue was the 2016 election i'm pretty sure um so basically i think like Chappelle is like the dude in the industry now that um they get called on he gets called upon when big things happen obviously uh when Tragically, the whole George Floyd thing happened. He he sh did like a show about it, and it's on YouTube, and I think like Netflix like released it on their YouTube channel and things like that. So I feel like in the moment of disaster, we need Chappelle, which is hilarious because he has a bit in his stand up <laughs> where he's just like, oh, when things go wrong in the world, you call on Jar Rule. So when shit's going bad, you're like, where is Jar? In real life, it's where is Chappelle? So, um, but TMG, the guys said something really interested on t interesting on the TMG podcast. You know, it's gotten to the point where Chappelle doesn't really have to do comedy now and just does talks. Like he just gets up there and just talks. He doesn't really say many jokes, and people are just so captivated captivated by what he has to say that they will just um, listen to him. And I definitely agree. And this kind of goes into what I was going to say about it when. Chappelle walks on stage 
on that monologue. You can check it out on the SNL uh, Facebook page for all the people out there that have, you know, that still have Facebook. <laughs> um, when he comes on stage, he comes on smoking a cigarette inside and then he just kind of gestures for the microphone to be handed to them. And like, okay, so some people might say, oh, you know, he's out. He's this out-of-touch comedian now. He's so successful. He got paid like 60 million bucks for all these Netflix specials and stuff. And I'm... I kind of see how that can be uh, perceived if you don't know, like, kind of like the full context, I guess. But I personally think him doing that, those moments are really baller and well-deserved because of, like, the way that he was treated during Hollywood. Um, He has, like, a whole side special on uh, Netflix about that where he talks about how he was... He brings up, like, a... not. it's a metaphor, I guess, but he, it's a story about um, like uh, pimps and prostitutes and how he was basically being pimped out by Hollywood and that's why he walked away from everything and he just disappeared because he didn't want to be a part of it and now he's come back and he has he has everything by the balls, you know? It's like he has the full control on everything and, you know, this is like real nerd shit, but <laughs> it, it's true though. Like he it's well-deserved because, like, he got treated like shit for ages. So he can come back and be like, hey, I'm going to do what the fuck I want because you didn't let me do that before. So that's how I kind of see that. Obviously, you're entitled to your own opinion. So um, I don't know if, like, I, uh, people fuck with Chappelle or anything like that. One thing, I like, I definitely do because uh, I remember watching Chappelle's show as a kid. And, man, like, that was on... Okay, so Caitlin and I have these discussions all the time because she had Foxtel growing up. I didn't. I didn't have, well, for your cable TV, for you Americans. Um, so I only had like four channels to watch growing up, but I'm pretty sure, I'm almost certain that Chappelle's show in Australia got aired on SBS like late at night. And I watched that as like a young kid and it's, I don't know why I was able to watch that as a young kid. What were my parents doing? They must have been asleep because I, I I grew up with like pretty conservative parents and they sure as shit would not let me watch that stuff any day of the week. I remember one time my mum got heaps shitty at me because I was watching the OC one night. Um, <laughs> that's the level of, oh yeah, you know, I was one of those kids that wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons growing up. That's the level of like shit that I kind of grew up with. <laughs> so um, yeah, Chappelle Show came to Netflix, uh, but I didn't get to... It's only Netflix in America, so I'm going to have to get a VPN. And sponsor time. This episode is sponsored by ExpressVPN. No, it's not. It's not It's not sponsored. Would That would be a good ad segue. I'm excited to get to the point of this podcast when I can get sponsors and I can just do really smart segues like that. So, <laughs> um, damn, I got I to gotta work on my notes because just then when I was talking about Chappelle, I had an idea that I wanted, I, I had this idea, I was like, oh, I should talk about that, and it wasn't my notes, and I didn't, so we're just going to move on to the next note that I have written down. <laughs> um, last night, Caitlin and I watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion, the 30-year reunion, another show that I grew up watching, because um, my sister, I have a sister that's 11 years older than me, shout out to Belinda, if you're listening to this, probably not, which 
understandable. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to my sister. Um, she she had a huge influence on like the music and the TV shows and shit that I um that I watched growing up. So yeah, she showed me Fresh Prince and I fell in love with it as a kid. And yeah, we, Kayla and I watched a reunion last night, and honestly, I I cried. I got to a point where I was like, I felt every emotion watching that, and it's really cool to see what they did uh, coming from like a writer director perspective. The thing, the risks and chances that Fresh Prince took, I didn't realize how impactful that was until I was much older. In the sense of everything, like even outside of, um, like, um, obviously the the main fucking thing, which was like black culture, and it was like the first like, um, completely African American show that came out. I'm pretty sure they mentioned it. It was something like that. You know, it was like a huge thing for black culture. But outside of that, it was huge for television. They, you know, they talk about it in the reunion, but they constantly broke the fourth war and that fourth wall. And that was like a big no, no and like sitcoms. And they took so many chances and risks and it worked. And I feel like that in itself just opened up the floodgates in terms of concepts and ideas for different sitcoms. So, uh, if you haven't watched it, uh, please, please watch it. So it, it that was incredible, but <laughs> kind of got me thinking as well. They did the reunion and then they brought on the kid, little Nikki. Is that his name? Who was like, by the way, he was like five when the show was finished. So I don't think he would have remembered much of it. But he comes on a reunion, but he doesn't say anything. So it's like, did they just kind of have to bring him on just for the sake of it? <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. It was, it, that was like a funny little moment for me. But it got me thinking. I was like, fuck, none of these people did anything after Fresh Prince except for Will. Well, I guess it was like Will's show. Um but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of same as Friends, right? Like, um, Jennifer Aniston's really the only person that did anything after Friends. Well, I could see in the sense of like, well, I'm getting paid like two million bucks a year, decades later still, and I don't have to fucking do anything. So I can see that's a motivator to be like, well, <sighs> done my work, time to move on. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think that's all we've been really watching lately. I've been fucking working like a dog, really. So, um, anyways, moving moving on. Um, I want to talk about something that I like on the YouTube space that I haven't really mentioned previously that I don't think of. Anyways, I, I'm a sucker for my guilty pleasure on youtube is like finance and like lifestyle kind of channels and like real estate stuff um i don't know why i just i just like seeing how the other half live i guess <laughs> so caitlin and i watch that shit a lot and we love that stuff we love watching like um you know people's lifestyles just in different parts of the world and like you know what in this city, the median salary is this, and you can get this house for this much. And um, we watched one. We watched one the other night, actually. And it was like this brand new house in like, oh, well, not brand new house, but freshly renovated house with like custom cabinetry. Like it, it, it was baller. Like it's a three bedroom house, but it was definitely baller. Um, and they were like, yeah, it's like half a million dollars. I'm like, fuck. 
We'd never get that in like, and that's like, I think it was like 10 minutes from downtown Austin. And I was like, fuck, you would not get that in in Melbourne whatsoever. So I think that's why we like watching it because it's like, well, that's how the other half live. And um, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's it's been cool though watching like, I've been taking some advice from the financial videos, but the problem is right with that whole world, it only applies to Americans. So you, you can't really, and it was funny because like uh, I, I filmed this whole video uh, going in on like business TikTok and I brought that up a lot. I was just like, fuck, all this stuff just applies to Americans and that just never came out because I was just looking at it and I was like, this is, this is fucking shit. <laughs> so I kind of felt like I was just rinsing the same joke over and over. So my God, this chair is so squeaky. Um, uh, yeah, it's just like really annoying because it's distracting me because I'm th- stressing that's coming up in the audio. So one this video that we watched the other night was like different apartments in uh, San Francisco and like how much money gets you what in which location. And damn, I knew San Francisco was expensive, but holy shit, they had like, they interviewed this one girl. She was paying 3600 a month. US dollars, 3,600 US dollars. That's like fucking 4,200 Australian bucks a month for a studio apartment. She didn't even have a living room. Her living room was her bedroom. And then it was the kitchen next to her. And I was just like, fuck, that is, that's the, that's so depressing, but it really depends. Like, you know, if you're earning like, if you're earning like um, 10 grand a month, that kind of makes sense because like the rule of thumb is like you should only be spending a third of your uh, salary on your rent or your mortgage payments. So yeah, I was just, I watched that and I was just like, that would be so depressing spending that much money and just living in a shoebox like that. And especially now working from home and fuck America's going to be working home for a very, very long time. Um, Well, until there's a vaccine, I guess. Yeah, that would be so depressing, spending all that much much money and just living in that spot. But she did live like right near the beach. So that I guess I guess that's like an added bonus, but still like thirty six hundred a month if you lived near the beach here in Melbourne, you'd you'd get a lot better setup than that. You definitely would get a better setup than that. <laughs> but there was this one dude, so they showed like three different people being interviewed and like their apartments and their price and blah blah blah. This one dude was like, yeah, I live here with my girl and my uh, two kids or something like that. And straight off the bat, I was just like, oh, man, this I'm going to try and like find a picture of him and put him up right here. I was like, oh, man, this dude is like either like a motivational speaker or doing something in like that entrepreneur space. But you could tell he's just like, it's just weird, like a weird dude. that It's like the type of person that when you go to a party, right? And you get stuck in a conversation with someone and then everyone dips. But the only reason why you're stuck in that conversation is because they won't shut the fuck up and just keep going. And you're like, I'm not, I was never invested in this conversation, but you just feel inclined to keep talking. I'm too much of a nice person just to leave. So I'm just going to sit here and just watch you talk endlessly that just looking at him, I was like, you're that type of person that would not look like that would just talk someone's ear off for ages at a party says the guy that's sitting here every week talking for like half an hour 45 minutes into a fucking microphone (laughs) if you want to leave 
go ahead, please. I'm, I, I welcome it. You know, just disrupt me and just be like, hey, I got to feed my goldfish. You know, I got, I got, I got responsibilities. I got to get out of here. So yeah. Anyway, so this is what reminded me of this dude. And I was just like, I was like, something's weird about this guy. It's just like the way he talks. And I'm like, I was like, I bet you he's got a weird hobby or something like that. And he's going to talk about it in this video. Lo and behold, they go outside and he has a fucking slack line. Do you guys remember slacklining from like 10 years ago? I don't even know that was still relevant. But this dude is like, he's got two teenagers. So he's a mid, like middle-aged man. And I was like, is this this dude's midlife crisis? Because he tried to like do slacklining for the cameras and it was just weird. It was just weird and kind of like failed miserably. And I was just like, so he's obviously just started doing it. But I'm like, I was like, is this your midlife crisis, bro? Did you just start up slacklining? I'm like, out of all the things you could have done for a midlife crisis, you picked up slacklining. There was just, there's just so many other options out there. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, I found that very funny like i just i remember living in brisbane and i'd go to south bank on the weekend and hang out with my mates um if you don't know south bank just google it i'm not gonna explain it to you but it's like a it's like a garden that goes across the uh, along the brisbane river so you know you can have a nice little date across walking down the trails with trees around you and stuff and then to your left is just like brown muddy water with sharks and dead bodies in it <laughs> very romantic um yeah so because there was like so much trees there there was always people doing slack lining there and i was just like uh, okay yeah i get it i'm just i'm just a dude sitting here talking to a microphone so i can see how people don't find this enjoyable either but how how do people find that sport and i understand like there's a lot of balance and core strength and all that shit i'm not not disregarding that but how do you like what makes you think that that's a good sport to pick up on you know like i've just picked up running and i feel like that's really uh, gives me like a sense of achievement maybe i'm just ignorant i'm probably just ignorant but this is my hot take i just find slacklining boring as fuck and just it looks like the most frustrating thing to do it's like i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna spend hours of my fucking day trying to balance on this little like thing slack line i guess um yeah it's like tight roping i don't know maybe it's like new age tight roping i know that was probably really popular in like the early 1900s so it's coming back in waves baby it's coming back in pog form <laughs> actually boom that's what i was gonna uh that's what i was gonna talk about being like Chappelle being baller as fuck i made this tweet and i did find it pretty funny i was saying I, I made this tweet yesterday saying you might think you're hard, but you'll never be Snoop Dogg calling out the entire East Coast at the Source Awards, Source Awards hard. <laughs> now, to give you context, we're going to take it. Here's a history lesson for you kids that listen to fucking SoundCloud rap with colored hair and shitty face tattoos. Mind you, right? All these, all these kids getting face tattoos now, they're shit. They are the worst tattoos. Not yeah, okay, in the sense of design, they're shit, but they're just so poorly executed. They're like, oh, yeah, my homie bought a machine for 50 bucks on fucking eBay. I'm going to do it in the garage. Like, that's just like some trap house shit. Uh, it's like you clearly got money. Get better face tattoos. And, yes, I'm calling out YouTube, Post Malone. A lot of your tattoos are pretty shit. 
says says me i probably have like a whole bunch of shit tattoos as well but yeah <laughs> you got the money get better face tattoos so this goes out to all you kids listening to new age rap now that doesn't know how hard this situation was and if you've watched the defiant ones documentary snoop dog explains exactly how it went down and how serious it was so um in the 90s uh, East and West Coast rap had a huge beef. You know, West Coast found East Coast rap whack because they had, like, girls singing it with, like, biggie and shit. And, you know, um, uh, they, yeah, they just... People just found that whole world whack. Like, Diddy um, was the one that kind of, like, birthed all of that. Whereas, you know, West Coast, you have NWA and that type of... And, like, Dre and... Um, oh, my God. I'm having the biggest fucking... And, Suge Knight, you know, birthing gangster rap in, on the West Coast. So here comes Ro- Leroy with his um, mid-podcast screaming. <laughs> Anyways, so the Source mag- the source magazine, right, was a magazine, and I'm going to sit Leroy here so he can learn a bit about a bit about rap history. The Source magazine was like a hip-hop magazine which was like the only one and it was very popular um during the time and they had their own award show it was like it was like the rap grammys so west and that was done at madison square garden um in new york so a small group of west coast people namely you know um suge knight and like dre and like that whole crew death row records thank you fuck i was just having the worst like moment there i couldn't remember who it was like the name of the label for it it was death row records um they were there at the source awards representing the west coast and they were obviously nominated for a bunch of awards with dre and snoop anyways suge knight just gets up on stage during an award and says basically like fuck p diddy if you want to have girls and you're singing in your songs and dancing in your videos, if you don't want that shit, you want to keep it gangster, come to death row. And it was like a big, like, Ooh, fuck. Like that raised the tension. And then Dre and Snoop won an, or an award and uh, like people started booing because of like what happened previously. Oh my God. Leroy is all up in my shit during a very important presentation i don't have a powerpoint leroy but it's still a presentation all right he's left the room (laughs) um so yeah dre and snoop won an award they get on stage everyone starts booing because of what suge said and then snoop basically just calls out the whole east coast and it's just like something along the lines of oh east coast has no love for Dre and Snoop Dogg, well, let it be known, fuck East Coast. And it was just like, whoa. Like, the the tension was already there culturally well before the fucking Source Awards. And then he says that shit, and it just fires off. And, yeah, basically, um, I don't know how there wasn't a shootout at that award show because of that, but because everyone, everyone was strapped up, all right? These are hard fucking rappers from the streets not you know yeah oh i'm from the suburbs fucking little zans like oh i'm from the suburbs and my life's hard because my mum got me an iphone 5 instead of an iphone 6 so yeah i'm a gangster now no it's hard hard shit and yeah basically that happened 
And I just find that moment f- like not funny because it was obviously really serious at the time. But <laughs> um, yeah, I find that situation like really hard. And I think of like rappers now, they're just not that hard anymore. I also listened to The Chronic the other the other day, uh, yesterday actually, and I was like surprised on how many diss tracks were there on on that well, with like Jerry Heller and um, NWA and shit. So um, yeah, there you go. History lesson for you. Anyways, I got to keep this going. I've got two more things I want to talk about. I'm going to wrap this up in the next like 10 minutes. Um, I, I, I try to keep this shit like 45 minutes because who the fuck wants to talk? Who, who wants to listen to a dude talking for like an hour straight by himself? So moving on to TikTok stars. So TikTok has only been around for a year, right? Like only this year has a really like blown up. And Leroy, Leroy's a green. Um... So this whole like fucking Charlie D'Amelio's and all these people, they, they've gone from being in the space of like 18 months, let's be conservative, 18 months to two years, they've gone from being nobodies to being fucking huge celebrities with millions and millions of followers and millions of dollars and like their lives have changed forever. Fucking good on you. But they don't know what they're doing. Like in terms of a game plan, now I get it, they, they're probably young but it probably doesn't help that they probably have like um, predatory fucking management either. Not not telling them, hey, time's ticking, you know. This shit ain't going to be here forever. Look at Vine. Vine fucking dried up and there was only like a small handful of people that actually went on and did shit on YouTube. Same thing's happening with TikTok. But with TikTok, there's just so many more stars, like well, TikTok celebrities, I guess, because of the way the technology is. So, oh, sorry, I'm just going to grab Leroy. Oh, my God. Every podcast episode, he just comes in and just starts fucking my shit up. It's also really dark now, so Warwick, remember, color grading, you got to make this shit look brighter. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, my gosh, he's literally just... He's, like, going for the power cord for my camera, so I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they're just getting... All these brand deals, these TikTok stars are getting all these brand deals and they're blinded by the fact that there is an end date. You know, just like Vine, there is an end date. This is going to wrap and I hope you have investments or a fucking game plan figured out because this shit's going to dry up and you're going to be like 21 tops and you're not going to have any idea what you're going to be doing with your life in terms of everything, you know? So... Oh my god, I'm so sorry if you can hear Leroy. I know I say it every episode, but he's been <sighs> Come here, you wanna cry? Cry into the microphone. I gotta wrap this up, buddy. Just give me give me ten minutes, okay? Jesus. Jesus Christ, kid. I don't know what accent that was. Um, so yeah, they're not being diverse enough with their incomes or the way they do stuff. Some of them have already set off YouTube channels, really smart, but yeah, you gotta Got to keep that ball rolling, you know, when like, yeah, these predatory managers are like, they don't care about the end date. They just care about the money now. And they're probably getting like the shittest deals and they don't understand. Like, yeah, I don't know. I could go on for ages about it. So, but I want to do like a, where they, where are they now? Um, I know Drew Gooden's done a couple of videos cause he came from Vine and he's done a couple of where, are they, where are they now? Vine video, Viner videos. Um, and I want to see if that's going to be like TikTok. You know, are they going to be working at Starbucks or are they going to be still living in a mansion? I don't know. There's just shit that I find pretty interesting um, in being immersed in the internet space that I am. 
So <laughs> last thing I want to talk about, which is completely random. Speaking of TikTok though, because it got me thinking, I watched <laughs> I watched this TikTok and it was like POV, you're fuck-eyed in the club and you ask for the the photographer for a photo and you think you look good. And there's like this guy with this camera and he flashes at him and he shows it to him and he pops up this photo of this like person completely fucked, but they're like, oh yeah, I think it's sick. Anyways, I find that funny, but um, it is like another thing that happened because of lockdown. Like a lot of photographers weren't diversifying and like myself included, I wasn't fucking diversifying at all. And I lost all of my work and just relying on government payments to get me through. <laughs> um, and it got me thinking about side hustles, like different photographer side hustles. And one that always comes to mind, which is a story that I love to tell. So for those who don't know, I actually started out filming nightclubs uh, for a living. Um, for a living. I got paid like fucking 50 bucks a night to do it. I got paid fuck all for that. But it, it did like cut my teeth in terms of meeting people in the entertainment industry. So that's what I used to do. And I met a photographer there. His name is Todd can't remember his last name now, but he's gone off to do like a whole bunch of cool shit. And that's the best thing about um, being in creative industry. It's like over time, people that you meet go into different industries and they do really cool shit. And um, it's really fucking dope to see like that progression and growth um, with your mates. Anyways, this guy who I was photographing with, uh, yeah, I think I was complaining about money because I was like, dude, how are you making money about this? And he said, okay, well, I do photograph three clubs in one night and they're all in this like... Um, one block of each other. So he would go photograph one club for three hours, another one for three hours, another one for three hours. And then he's like, yeah, I'd make like a thousand bucks a week or something like that doing those three clubs um, just from one night's worth of work. Obviously, you had to do editing and shit, but there's not much editing with nightclub photos. So it's a pretty good, pretty good deal, especially, you know, a thousand bucks a week 10 years ago. A thousand bucks an hour is good, but a thousand bucks 10 years ago living in Brisbane when the median price of rent was like 120 bucks a week, oofed good good hustle there but he said that he used to go up to um people in the club that were making out and if you're a nightclub photographer listen carefully you want to if you want to clean up on a fucking friday saturday night listen closely this dude used to go up to people making out uh take photos of them and then every person they saw, he was on the hunt. Every person he saw making out, he would always take photos of them. And people would be like, some people would go, hey, oh shit, like, can you delete that photo? I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a partner, whatever. And I don't want them to see, I'm cheating on them. I don't want them to see that. And he said, pay me 50 bucks and I'll delete the photo. Oh, what a fucking side hustle. He said he made like he made like probably two hundred bucks a night, easily from one like one club, two hundred bucks a night from one club, easily just doing that. And I'm like, <laughs> see, these are like side hustles from like the streets that people need to like learn. You know, I, there's always ways to get money. You see all these fucking side hustle videos. It's like, ooh, start a Shopify store. It's like, no. This is shit that will get you money guaranteed no matter what, you know? And you're not even like selling out your own morals, doing you? You're not even doing anything wrong. You're just doing your job, if anything. And you get double pay on top of that. Speaking of double pay, I actually had a shoot um, like booked in on like Wednesday or some shit and it got cancelled um, the day before 
But then I had I also had work to do at the agency, so I just went into work at the agency. But I got paid a cancellation fee, so it was like a double a double pay. So you know that's all. Well, it's not really a side hustle. That's just terms and conditions. <laughs> but it is kind of hard to get um, paid cancellation fees. That's for sure. So yeah, if you want to side hustle, do that. I'm trying to think of ones that I did. Like I tried doing that filming, but it didn't work as much. It was oh, man, filming nightclubs was fucked, man. Like that was. Sorry, um, I had to I had to get fucked up to be able to film at a club because I'm still introverted as fuck. But I was like, I have to, like, get the courage to film these crazy shit. So, yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything wild happened to me filming at a club. Nah, uh, I think, yeah, I've had a few people, like, hit my camera away and shit like that but they're just drunk people like what do you expect like some people aren't really that um hyped to have a fucking camera in their face so yeah um but also don't like film filming and photographing clubs are just as predatory as um like you know vine i'm not tiktok managers you know you just you get paid fuck all and they take the content that you take that you make and they pay for ads. They make thousands and thousands of dollars a night and you get paid like fucking a couple hundred bucks. It ain't worth it. But if you want to cut your teeth in the entertainment industry, it's a double-edged sword, right? For the money I, I didn't earn, I earned so much more in terms of networking and contacts. Actually, yeah, fuck networking events that entrepreneurs put on. Go to clubs. I guarantee you, eventually you'll meet someone. Oh, this is a great... The last nightclub I filmed, right? A quick story, wrap this up. Last nightclub I filmed, which was a few years ago, Kayla and I were still just dating at the time. She dropped me off and everything. Nice one. Shout out to my wife for dropping me off at nightclubs to film. Um, I was filming it for... Um, it's... Okay. All right. You know... Um, well, it's an observation. It's it's purely an observation. It was like an Asian nightclub because it was just nothing but like Asian people there. I think it was just promoted for Asians. That's that's fine as well, but I need to set it up because that was a whole other experience, right? They had like these weird VIP booths right next to the dance floors and people were just lines, just racking them up and doing it like it, in front of like hundreds of people, security and everything, and no one batted an eye to it. It was... It was mind-blowing. The dude came up to me. I remember I was like filming at the edge of the club to get like a wide shot. Dude came up to me, did a bump and offered me some. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, but (laughs) I just needed to say that story as well. But what I was getting to is there was only one other white dude in the club and he was covered in tattoos as well. And I was like, all right, cool, sweet. I can chat to this dude. Turns out he was like the managed he he's like one of the managers at a van store and I told him I was like, Oh cool, I work for Vans Warp Tour and you know, blah 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 and he's like, Oh sick and he's like, dude, I can't believe you don't get discounts and stuff in Australia and he said, Hey, here's my card and shit, like hit me up anytime and we can talk about like getting content done as well and he hooked me up with some van shit. And there you go. Just like this one little interaction. I got to meet this dude and 
that was that, you know? Like, sometimes you got to... Sometimes it doesn't work because, like, there's times where I've met people and they're fuck-eyed and they're like, yeah, man, let's do some content together and, like, let's do a business and you call them or you, you hit them up and they're just kind of like, they don't remember you. But, you know, this was an instance where he remembered me. So, yeah, if you want to... If you want to network as a creative, don't go to these fucking networking events. Go to clubs. Um, also, work at cafes, okay? Post up at a cafe. Pull out your laptop. Uh, if you don't have a laptop, you fucking better get one. Get your laptop and start editing your photos, videos, do your designs. Um, I can guarantee you at some point, someone's going to come up to me like, yo, I see you doing that shit. I need someone for that. It's just creating those opportunities so hey remember how i said uh don't go to film school and just pay me like 500 bucks and i'll tell you everything in this podcast still stands uh my paypal link will be in the comments down below <laughs> uh but no for real um that's just like real life advice shit that you won't hear in like universities and online or that type of stuff um oh yeah the cafe thing uh one of my homies he does that all the time and now he works for like really high-end golf companies and things like that. Kurt, if you're listening to this, shout out Kurt. You photographed my wedding. Absolute mad lad. So yeah, it, that's. I think I think that's kind of going to be it. I feel like I, I feel like I had a great little advice at the end there. And yeah, so shout out to everyone in the creative industry hustling out of this. Actually, yeah, one more thing. Um, Creative industry has really bounced back. I don't like all of my mates in the creative industry I've spoken to are in the same boat as me. So, fuck yeah! Like it, within Australia, obviously, I know, probably different overseas, but yeah. Um, shout out to all my creative homies in Melbourne that bounced back after lockdown 2.0. So, anyways, in saying that, thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode. This is, I think this is the longest solo episode I've ever done. Um, time, my time just went over 50 minutes so again thank you so much uh, for watching uh, watching, listening if you have come this far in the episode I really do appreciate it if you are listening on iTunes as always remember give it a 5 star rating um, and if you're watching this on YouTube like, comment, subscribe, all that good shit because that stuff uh, gets this podcast recommended to more people if you've got some friends that you want to recommend this to give them a link you know um also hit me up okay i've got an email mateswratespod at gmail.com email me there or comment in youtube down below i see people watching and listening you know we got a small community here i want to hear from you if you have listened this far and you're hearing this i want to hear from you you know drop me a line just even saying hey what's up i'm listening and i like it anyways Thank you so much for watching watching and listening to episode 13 of the Mates Rates podcast. I'll see you. I'll see you all beautiful human beings next week. Peace. <laughs>